Well, welcome to the podcast that we call Time in God's Word. And this is David Carnes, and it is so good to be with you as always. And today, what we are going to do is we are going to close out this series that we have been calling Items of Assurance for the True Believer. And today we find ourselves in 1 John chapter 5 and verses 20 and 21. And this is number five in the series. And the fifth assurance that the Apostle John brings out is Jesus is God. I mean, every believer is assured of this wonderful truth. There's no doubt about it, no doubt in our minds. But again, another assurance that every true believer in Jesus has is Jesus is God. So let me say that we have a lot in these two verses to uncover. So let me get us into today's message. And again, we are in 1 John chapter 5 and verses 20 and 21. And so let me take us to the text now as we spend time in God's Word. What can the true believer be assured of? Number five, if you're a note taker, write it down this way. The true believer in Jesus is assured that Jesus is God. That Jesus is God. You know it. You don't doubt it. You know that Jesus is God. Now we move to verse number 20. And let me just say, before we get into verse number 20, we have a most remarkable verse here. So much here. And I want us to see, really, as much as we can. We're going we're gonna to try to pull out as much as we can here. But in verse number 20, look at it. Let me begin to read. In verse number 20, John writes this. He writes, and we know. And again, you see that word know there, right? He's saying we are assured of something here. And we know. Well, what are we assured of, John? He writes that the Son of God has come. Now, I want you to just stop right there. Now, John says that we have the assurance of something here, and that is, in part, what he says is, the Son of God has come. Now, that is a reference to Jesus. This is who he's speaking of here. He's speaking of Jesus. He's referring to Jesus as the Son of God. And let me say this to you, and don't miss this, but on numerous occasions, as we have walked through Scripture, we have come to find that when you see that reference to the Lord Jesus, Son of God, that is a deity reference. That is what that is. Jesus, the Son of God. That little statement right there is a statement that says Jesus is God. And you ask the question, how is that? Well, understand, the Son always is having the same essence as the Father, the same attributes as the Father. The Son has the same essence and attributes. Therefore, He is God. It's a deity statement. Jesus is God in the flesh. And the true believer in Christ, the true believer in the Lord Jesus, is assured of this. You know this. There's no doubt about this. But then with that said, and we're going to come back to this, but let's just walk through this verse. But you look back at the opening part of the verse again, and John writes this. Notice he says, Jesus has come. The Son of God has come. Jesus has come. Now, what's that speaking of? That's speaking of the incarnation of Jesus. God putting on human flesh, coming to this earth. That's the incarnation. 
But then watch this. Go back to verse number 20 again. Verse number 20, this is what John continues to write. He writes, and we know that the Son of God has come, now watch this, and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true. <laughs> Do you see that? You're following along, right? Now, let me just say, there's a lot to digest right here, but Right here, we are told that as a result of the Son of God, Jesus, coming to this earth, two things happen. And they're stated right there. Two things happen. Look back at the verse. I'm going to pull them out for you, okay? Let's look at this. But you look back at the verse, and John again writes, the Son of God has come and has given us understanding. You following along? Now we're going to stop right there. He's given us understanding. Now here's the first result of the incarnation. Don't miss this. That is, here's the result. As a result of Jesus coming, God in the flesh, we have received understanding. In other words, revelation. And let me say this, but as a result of the coming of Jesus to this earth, God in human form, we got to see God. We got to see Him. Now, understand this, not all of God... Not God in all His glory, but we got to see all that we could handle of God. And we saw it through His Son, Jesus, because Jesus is the Son of God, God in human flesh. And as long as He was on this earth, we got to see, for example, the love of God. We got to see the majesty of God. We got to see the power of God. We got to see the compassion of God. We got to see all of that through who? Jesus, the Son of God. And again, we saw all, again, that we could handle. Again, couldn't see all the majesty of God. The Bible does tell us that sinful man cannot see the full majesty of God this side of heaven. We'd die if we saw that. By the way, let me just bring out this word understanding here. Watch this. He says we received an understanding. The word means insight. It means insight. And so again, through the incarnation of Jesus, we were given great insight into God. That's what we were given. That's good. <laughs> That's good. But then you go back to verse 20, and let me bring out another result of the incarnation, the first coming of Jesus. Again, what was the first result? Well, the, this revelation of God given to us. That was the first result. Second result was there was a redemption provided for us. There was redemption provided for us. You look at verse 20 again, look what it says. And John writes, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding. Now watch the next part. So that we may know Him who is true. Now you see the second part of this? So that we may know Him who is true. Now, let me break this down, but you see the word know in that phrase, K-N-O-W. Now, again, I've made the point that John uses this word a lot throughout his letter. For the most part, the word refers to assurance. The word know refers to you can be for sure. You can know. Understand this, though. At this point, the way the word's used here, not used that way. It's not speaking of assurance here. The word know that's used right here, when John writes, so that we may know him who is true, that is actually a word in the Greek text that means to know someone in a relational way, in a deep, intimate way. 
That's how that word is used. That's what it means here. Knowing someone more intimately. And so with that said, right here, John's making the point that as a result of the coming of Jesus, doing what Jesus did, and what did He do? He went to a cross. He died for our sins. He rose from a grave. He gives eternal life to anyone who comes to Him by faith. And as a result of that, that person then has eternal life, which means coming into a relationship with God. That's eternal life. As a matter of fact, remember how Jesus explained, defined eternal life in John chapter 17, verse 3, when Jesus said this, He said, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Jesus said, this is what eternal life is. It's coming to know God intimately, starting now and lasting for all eternity. You say, well, I thought eternal life was living forever. It is. But Jesus didn't describe it that way because He knows you know that. He got deeper. And He said, you place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You place your faith in Me, He says. And you come into a relationship with God and God begins to speak to you. God begins to reveal Himself to you. And you come to know His character more. And you fall deeper in love with God. And it starts at the moment you place your faith and trust in Him. And it goes for all eternity. But now also, let me bring this out. Again, you look at verse number 20. And there's another word that I want us to see. But when you look back at verse number 20, do you see the word true in the verse? The word true. There toward the end of the verse, John writes that we may know Him who is true. Now, that is a reference, and hear me on this, that is a reference not to Jesus, the Son of God. That is a reference to God the Father. That is who that is. Why did Jesus come? So that we could know the One who is true. The word true is interesting. The word means real. That's what the word means. It's a big word because you remember the one reason John wrote this letter was to combat the false teachers. They were not preaching the real God. They were not preaching the real Jesus. They were preaching a false God. As a matter of fact, in chapter 2, verse number 26 of the same letter, John writes this. He writes, I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. Who's he referring to there? The false teachers. And they were all over the place. And they were prevalent. And understand that it is believed that during John's time in the writing of this letter, the false teachers were promoting false gods. False gods. What I mean by that, and I'll just give this example for you, but you do a study on this, you come to find at the time that John wrote this letter, at that time there was a heresy that was very rampant. It was called the Serinthian heresy. And what was being taught through the Serinthian heresy was that God did not create the world Himself, but He gave that responsibility off to a lesser God. And so the Serinthian heresy promotes more than one God. There's not one real God, but there's many gods. But then that same heresy also taught that Jesus was not God. Uh, Jesus was simply man. He was a great teacher. And He was a good man. And then at His baptism, the Serinthian heresy teaches that the Christ descended onto Jesus, anointed Jesus, 
came into Jesus and worked through Him to perform miracles, worked through Him to preach about God. But then at the time of the cross, the same Christ left Jesus. And the man who died on the cross was simply that, a man, and not God and man. There was this heresy that was going around. And right here as we look at this word true, which means real, what John is writing and what he's saying is then the Son of God, Jesus, He came in the flesh to this earth. He came here to give us a more in-depth understanding of God, the real God. But then not only that, that, John is also saying that Jesus came in order that we can come to know God, the real God, and know Him in a relational way, know Him in a way that the Bible refers to as eternal life. And that's the point that John's making here. There, there are the results of the coming of Jesus, and those results of the coming of Jesus are revelation and redemption. Always remember that. Seeing the real God and coming into a relationship with the real God, the one and only God. And now moving on back to verse 20. Let's do this. Look at your Bibles again. John goes on to write midway through the verse, and we are in Him who is true. Now I told you there's a lot in this verse. So we're just kind of pulling stuff out. But he says, and we are in Him who is true. Now, understand this. What John is doing here, he's just emphasizing what was just said. Again, we, speaking of the true believers in Jesus, are in Him, who's Him, that's God, in a relationship with God, Saved, we have eternal life. And then he says, who is true? We're in a relationship with the real God. Not all these false gods, but the real God. Not in a relationship with the demonic gods of this world, but the the God that we see in Scripture, the God that spoke and created, the God who came in human form. This God, and He is the real true God, the one and only God of Scripture. Then just continuing to walk through verse number 20, John writes this. Do you see this at the tail end of this verse? He writes, in His Son, Jesus Christ. Do you see that? Do you see that at the end of that verse? And so you ask, okay, so what does that mean? In His Son, Jesus Christ. The answer is simple, really. The answer is this coming to know God, this coming to know the real God, coming into a relationship with Him, having eternal life with Him, all happens because of Jesus. It's about being in His Son, Jesus. That's what that means. It's about coming to faith in Jesus. Again, that's what that means. So it's all about Jesus. And understand this, without Jesus, there is no hope. There's none. By the way, this is a very exclusive statement. Only one way to salvation is what we see here. Only one way to eternal life. And how does John write it? In Jesus. In no other way. John chapter 14, verse number 6 in John's Gospel, John writes the words of Jesus when Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. That is an exclusive statement, isn't it? No other way. It is Jesus and Jesus alone. But then, one final sentence that we have at the end of all this. And that is, do you see at the end of verse number 20? John writes this, 
He is the true God and eternal life. He's the true God and eternal life. Now, here's what I want you to see here. That little sentence there, it can really be interpreted in two different ways. The first way it can be interpreted, and I want to bring both ways out to you. Then I'll just share with you how I fall on this. But the first way that this can be interpreted is this is speaking of Jesus. That Jesus is the true God and eternal life. This is how this can be interpreted. Let me say, that is a legitimate interpretation. It's hard to argue with that one. And the reason I say this is because in the rules of interpretation, and literally there are the rules of interpretation as you go through Scripture, many times what is said is to be seen as referring to the previous statement. And so you look back at verse number 20, and I know you're looking at your Bible right now, and you're looking at verse 20, and it is Jesus that is being mentioned prior to that statement, isn't it? Yes. Jesus is being mentioned prior to this statement. That is what you see here. And so you look back at verse 20, Jesus being mentioned, and then the statement, He is the true God and eternal life. Now that's a powerful statement. But now with that said, let me say that if this is the way that we are to interpret this sentence, that's a wonderful proof text for the deity of the Lord Jesus. Boy, that is a wonderful proof text. Speaking of Jesus, and then immediately saying He is the true God and eternal life. That's one way to interpret that. But then there is a second way to interpret this, and that is, this is a statement being made specifically not about the Son, but about the Father. God the Father. That the Father is the true God in eternal life. Again, not a statement about Jesus the Son, but a statement that's focused on God the Father. Now, the reason I say this is you look at verse number 20, and you see that John says Jesus has come to give us understanding and so that we may know Him who is true. And John goes on to say, we are in Him who is true, in His Son, or in other words, We're in God the Father because of what His Son did. Now, the point being, Jesus came so that we can have an understanding of God the Father, so that we can know the Father, the true God, be in relationship with Him. And so when you get to the end of the verse and John says, so He is the true God and eternal life, there is the understanding then that John, not speaking of the Son, but speaking of the Father. Now, with that said, let me just share this with you. That's how I fall on this. That's how I read that. This is a reference to God the Father. This is the true God and eternal life. But then, with that said, you might want to say, well, you're missing out on a wonderful proof text for the deity of Jesus if you see it that way. My response in all this would be, but there are other proof texts. We're okay. Other proof texts throughout Scripture that makes the point of the deity of Jesus very clear. For example, John chapter 20, verse 28. Thomas, the apostle, referring to Jesus, looking at Jesus, says, My Lord and my God. Paul in Romans chapter 9, verse number 5, states, writes, Christ, who is God over all. But then, we don't even have to leave this verse to really have a proof text. What's the proof text? 
At the very beginning of verse number 20, what did John write? And we know that the Son of God has come. And the Son of God, a reference to Jesus, the Son of God, what? A deity statement. That the Son has all that the Father has, all the attributes of the Father. There's your deity statement. Right there. Right there. And a true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ is assured of what? That Jesus is God. God taking on human flesh, coming here, bearing your sins, dying for your sins, your substitute on the cross, going to a grave, rising from the grave. And anyone who places faith and trust in Him will be saved. Repent of your sin, come to Him as Lord, and you will be saved. That's number five in all of this. But you look then back at your Bible and you say there's one more verse to go. It's verse number 21. A wonderful way to close this little verse at the end of this five-chapter letter. John writes what? Look at your Bibles. He writes, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Now, interesting way to close the letter. But this is how John does it. What does he say, little children? That's his way of referring to Christians. But then he writes, keep yourselves from idols. Keep yourselves from idols. Remember, who was prevalent at that time? Who's still prevalent, by the way? False teachers. All over the place. They were coming into the church. They were teaching a perverted Jesus. Also, I want you to remember this, but John, at the time of this writing of this letter, probably he was associated with the people of Ephesus. It is thought by many that he was actually the pastor of the church at Ephesus at this particular time. You say, well, why do you bring that up? Remember this about Ephesus, the hub of idolatry. Remember in Acts chapter 19, we are told that in that city, a main source of industry was the making of idols. Paul came into that city. He preached the true God, the real God. He preached against the idols the false gods and their makers. And as a result, we are told that many in the city of Ephesus stopped buying the idols. Guess what happened next? A riot ensued. And so John and his church were in the middle of all that. They were in the middle of this idolatrous people. But understand, little statues of false gods, they're not the only idols. False teaching is an idol. Believing and following something that is false and something that is not of the real God is idolatry. And here at the end of John's letter, he says to his audience and he says to you and me, he says, you know what true believers in Jesus do? You just keep yourselves away from these idols. The word keep here means to watch. It means to guard. It means to be kept safe. You've got to be on guard all the time. And again, the point being Christians... For Christians, the battle is always on. It's always going on. The evil one is always trying to disrupt your walk with God. Always trying to do that. And even though he can't touch you, that's what we see in verse number 18, he can't touch you. He can't take you away from God. That doesn't mean he doesn't stop trying. It's a battle. So what do you do? You stay close to God. The real God of Scripture. You stay in His Word. You stay in prayer. You continue to love Him. You continue to trust Him. 
You continue to live for Him and you continue to obey Him and you share His Son with others because you have such a love for other people. And when you do, and this is your life, and it's lived out in a habitual, consistent way, then you know that your faith is true. You know that eternal life is yours and the assurance is always there. Well, so much there, but Jesus is God, the Son of God, this deity statement that is made. And as Jesus came to this earth, God in the flesh, he came for the purpose of revelation. He came for the purpose of redemption. But again, so many wonderful truths just in these final two verses of John's first epistle. Well, let me say, it has been a joy to be with you today as it always is. And may you just have a blessed week. And I so look forward to seeing you again next time as we spend time in God's Word. <music>